Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. What's going on, everyone? Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Shock Factor podcast, where this week I will be joined by someone who, look, there's a ton of cool players, tons of cool coaches in college baseball, but today's episode is all about someone beyond the foul lines. Someone who gets to go to baseball games and genuinely have zero preference who wins or who loses because they're just happy that both teams are healthy and having fun. That's right. Today we are talking to not just the voice of the College World Series, but also the voice of my good friend, Mike Monaco. Now for a lot of you listening, this probably, or well, most definitely, is not the first time you've heard me and Mike Monaco talk. Um, it might be the first time you realize it, but the first time we actually made our public talking debut was back in June of 2021 when Mike watched me close out a game in regionals against South Carolina, and he watched me punch myself in the head a bunch, and he decided to throw a headset on me and say, hey, you know what? You should be on TV right now, and essentially change the trajectory of my life forever. He was the broadcaster who chose to interview me way back when, and now I feel it's my turn to return the favor and interview him. Now, a little history about who Mike Monaco is before we start talking to him. Mike went to Notre Dame, and he had the intentions of kind of becoming like a general manager, but he didn't really know what steps to take to do that. But he had read somewhere that a general manager he liked online had joined the student newspaper, and so that's where he started, and that is kind of where his affair with college baseball blossomed into a relationship that's so strong that it still exists today. Now, Mike also broadcasts a large number of different sports, and right now he's actually gearing up to work for the NHL Network starting next week. And I still don't really understand how anyone can broadcast hockey. Like, that's way too fast. I can barely analyze a college baseball game, and the pitch clock is my worst nightmare when it comes to that. So he, he's just always sharp, always impressive. And, you know, if you don't believe me, just... Just trust me, he's really good at it. And if you're like, well, I, I don't know how good he is, just go back to the Mississippi Ole Miss winning the national championship in 2022, the final out of the College World Series. Listen to that call. It's the most excellent thing. But without further ado, let's get right into it and talk to Mike. All right, everyone, we are back with the Shock Factor podcast, and I could not be more excited. And I genuinely mean that. I say it a lot. I typically mean it a lot. 
But we are joined by someone who I've been joined by. I, I made my debut with this man, Mike Monaco. Mike, how are you doing today? Steve, it's great to see you, man. Uh, I just said this to you before we started rolling here. Like, this feels like a long time coming. I, I have always felt a connection to you since the 2021 college baseball season. Um, and, and then I've had the great pleasure of actually meeting you in person multiple times in Omaha and hanging out. And we sat together and watched one of the greatest college baseball games ever in Omaha this year. So, needless to say, I, I think I'm as fired up as you, if not more fired up than you for this. Yeah, it's uh it's very fun for me because, you know, this podcast couldn't happen without our sponsor Soldier Sports, but it really couldn't happen without Mike Monaco in <laughs> 2021 interviewing me and uh, essentially allowing me to be me, um which we'll get into that more, but I want to do a little bit about your background because a lot of people probably don't realize this, but they hear your voice every weekend because, you know, announcers aren't every inning. Hey, it's the top of the third. I'm Mike Monaco, by the way. <laughs> um, but you are like the voice of college baseball, but I want to get into the origin of that. And based on what my professors tell me, my research will be around 70% correct. Um, but all my, all my source is from Mike-Monaco.com, which I feel is trustworthy. <laughs> So you, you started out, you went to Notre Dame, you're from Boston, correct? And you went to Notre yes. Dame. Now at Notre Dame, did you go in thinking, hey, broadcasting's what I'm born to do. It's what I'm supposed to, I got a cool name like Mike Monaco, like it's, I'm built for this. <laughs> or was it something you kind of discovered while you were there? So many things. 70% is a passing grade. You're eligible to play ball, I think, unless the NCAA has changed that. Um, great research uh, great great research done by you steve um i'm not big time enough to have anyone else running my own website so that is run by me and if anything's wrong that's on me um so i anyway to answer your question in a long-winded way no i didn't know that i wanted to do broadcasting i think there are many people in our industry who grow up being like hey that's what i want to do when i grow up whoever they looked up to on a national level or you know, let's say they grew up a Yankees fan listening to John Sterling call Yankees games on the radio, like they idolize him. And when they're playing MLB the show, they turn down the volume and uh, try doing it themselves. Like that was not me. I hadn't thought about broadcasting at all. Um, but I knew I wanted to work in sports. Like I was that kid growing up, like I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, like just totally obsessed with sports, whatever sport it was, whatever season we were in, like that's what I cared about. Um, so I wasn't a great athlete by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, my high school baseball career would would certainly solidify that fact. But wanted to work in sports, go to college, thought I wanted to work in a major league baseball front office. And I've kind of told this story before, but like thought I wanted to be the next Theo Epstein, you know, if I could ever get to the pinnacle of that one day. Um, having grown up a Red Sox fan, like you said, outside of Boston, um, and I had read that Theo Epstein like wrote for the student newspaper when he was in college. So I go to Notre Dame, I write for the student newspaper, which of course really has like no link to working in a front office. But I thought that was a logical step because, Maybe. well, Theo Epstein did it. Um, exactly. And so then that kind of set me on the media path and eventually stumbled into student radio hosting a sports talk show that 
pretty much five friends in my dorm and my dad listened to. And I had to hound people to like send in questions to us every, every week. Um, and then from there, though, got involved with like broadcasting actual games, which is what I love and is what I do now. And college baseball, I'm certainly fortunate to be one of the voices who who get to call that. Yeah, and I mean, college baseball and the fans are very lucky indeed, not just to have someone who has like a great voice for it, but also someone who actually like really loves the sport at this level. And I think that's something that comes through on your broadcast is that appreciation of the game at this level. And I think, you know, starting at Notre Dame and having that passion, like it really still bleeds through. So good on you for not changing or losing that because you do so many different sports you do so much, which we'll get into later. But while you're at Notre Dame, one of the things I noticed on the website is you joined the Wareham Gateman in 2013 and 2014, which is a path I've been fortunate to meet a lot of Cape Cod broadcasters just from my times playing because, you know, I was a goofy guy who I'd just make jokes with anyone. So sometimes I would just walk by the little booth in Cape Cod, which was essentially a folding table and just put on a headset and start talking before they really even noticed or told me to get out. So that was a lot of fun. But that was something that I feel like is kind of a jump starter to a lot of broadcasters careers. So was there anything that really stuck out to you from your time in Cape Cod or broadcasting with the Gateman? Yeah, it was awesome. And I'm sure very similar, Steve, like to your experience, you know, playing there and, um, you know, doing fires in the bullpen or whatever else you were up <laughs> to. And and I'm sure like for most players experience down there, like it was the same for the broadcasters. And yeah, to echo what you said, it is such a great experience for, you know, people trying to get their start in broadcasting and, you know, 44 game season and you're getting to do a game almost every single day. And so you're learning like very quickly. If you get, you know, let's call it five innings or four innings per game of the play-by-play split with your partner, doing that every single day was like way more reps than I had had at any point previously. Like I just kind of stumbled into this. Like I said, like I didn't start doing it till sophomore year of college. So then to go do the Cape after my sophomore year of college, I got way more experience than I had had to that point just from the school year. And um, it's, it's just a great atmosphere. Like anyone who's been there, even as a fan, you know, knows what, what it's like down there. Um, the Wareham teams that I worked for, we didn't have the, the best records, the, the two seasons I was there, but the people I met, and this is not just like saying it and hyping it up. Uh, were fantastic. Everyone in the the front office, you know, all the people who volunteer their time, all the other interns, like I made great friends on that side of things, people I'm still in touch with. And then the coaching staff and the players too. Um, Our manager for my two years was Cooper Ferris. And Coop was a a legend on the Cape and we still stay in touch and he'll text me if I'm doing a a college baseball game or sometimes a major league game. He's texted me during the little league world series that he's watching. And, um, you know, we had uh, tough years, like I said, record wise, but he would always take the time to, to do interviews with me and our other broadcasters before and after games. And even after games, you know, in a nine win season on the Cape, which is not very good being able to have the experience of having to ask him questions and try to, you know, learn good stuff or, you know, get good context on what someone's working on and improving on over the course of the season. That was amazing. And then, you know, the players we had too, like 
guys that I'm I'm still in touch with and, and friendly with, um, like Anthony Kay, who's a first rounder out of UConn. He was, I think it just finished his freshman year when he was on the Cape. And we became friendly and like, you know, this year he's pitching for the Cubs and we're hanging out talking on the field at Wrigley. Um, one of our Gateman catchers, Chris Chinea, who went to LSU, was part of some great teams there. He was there both years that I was on the Cape and he's now the bullpen catcher for the Detroit Tigers. So when they were at Fenway this year, like getting to hang out with him and catch up on the field and hear about his family and his kids and, and everything like that, like the Cape special man. And um, not just the experience, but like more so than that, I'll take the relationships from it. Yeah. And you touched on so many great points. I love the fact that it's essentially just trial by fire. And you probably didn't even realize that like coming up, like, Hey, this is going to be a lot of work. And you assume like, you know, it's a lot of games, but they really just throw you out there. It's like, Hey, you're on your own, just do it. And I think it's such a great way for young guys to learn too, because you know, you have that huge high stress environment, all game of like, okay, I got to say the right things. Got to remember who's who, but as soon as that last pitch is done, last interview said the microphone shut off. I'm at the beach. I'm relaxing. So I think it's like such a perfect place to learn for the players one, because you have that environment, which you typically don't have at school, particularly if you're, you know, playing in the Midwest, you don't have beach days, <laughs> but, but I, I think that it's just such a good place to learn. And then your resume or your just network of people you get afterwards totally is something that I don't think people realize is there. And it's just like, like right now, there's 10 people I could text from my days in the Cape of like, hey, I need help with something. And they would like drop in immediately. And like, it's just random people who like really care about the game of baseball. So I I think you did such a good job touching on that. And I was going to ask you, do you remember the best player you saw play up there? Oh, man. Um, well, let me just say one thing on the trial by fire thing. Like mm -hmm. one of my uh, other broadcasters for a different team down there, who's like a good friend of mine now, like we always joke that when I was on the Cape, my first summer, he's like, dude, you like whispered when you were broadcasting. Like I knew nothing about doing play by play. And I was kind of like nervous a little bit about being on air. Like that wasn't exactly, again, like nothing I had ever thought, Hey, this is what I want to do. I want to be a broadcaster. And so I was like a little self-conscious of like, sometimes you're broadcasting right behind home plate. So I'd always be like doing it in a very hushed volume. And it's like, no, dude, you have to project and you have to be energetic. Um, so things I eventually learned thanks to the Cape, but best player, I would probably say Kyle Schwarber who was on our team at the end of my first year there. And he had been there the year before, 2012, year before I was there. And they won it all that year. And then he went to USA, um, Team USA, after the 2013 college baseball season and still came back to the Gateman, even though they were out of playoff contention. Again, truly the worst team in the league. But he came back and finished out, I forget what it was, maybe the last eight games of the season just because he respected so much what Cooper Ferris and those coaches had done for him the year before and what they had meant to him. And he wanted to honor his word of coming back to the Cape. So his first game back comes in hot from team USA. We're playing at Yarmouth Dennis and it's late innings. I forget if at this point it was in extras, but he hits a game tying home run, like to the trees at Red Wilson field. 
to tie it. I believe he went four for four in that game. And it was just like, dude, first of all, this guy's the man for coming back, keeping his word, rejoining the worst team in the league after he was with Team USA. Second of all, we've been hearing all summer without him here how good Kyle Schwarber was last year on the Cape and did it at Indiana. And he completely lives up to it in the first game back. And you're like, that dude is going to be a big leaguer. You know, you just knew it. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, top five pick and um, indispensable. And then also, like, everywhere you go, I think Jake or Jordan maybe just wrote about this, like, great teammate. And that Mm -hmm. shines through as well from the time on the Cape. Yeah, I remember, I remember, uh, I think Jake and Jordan tweeted an article about him being like the ultimate team guy. And I saw yeah. my favorite response was he has the ultimate build to say I'm fun in locker rooms. And yeah. I don't, I don't fully understand what that means, but I understand exactly what they're saying. And it's just spot on. Yeah, completely. You just look at him and you're like, this dude, this dude is a, a clubhouse guy. <laughs> He just gets it. Now, one thing yeah, you totally. touched, one thing you touched on was um, doing that radio, kind of starting off on radio and then transitioning to broadcasting. What would you say the biggest difference is between doing a baseball game on radio compared to doing a television broadcast? It's a good question because I, I kind of just went through this last week doing uh, ESPN radio for the MLB playoffs, Rangers and Rays, and mm-hmm. I hadn't done a lot of radio um gosh in the last like four or five years so I did five years in minor league baseball but my last year there was 2019 so yeah it's been like four years since I was doing radio you know play-by-play for any sport regularly um and it was like very different so I like would watch games on MLB TV in the couple of weeks leading up to the playoffs and like try to practice just to myself sitting at home doing a radio call because it's very different from TV. So what I would say is like, you have to describe every pitch, right? Like on TV, you know, me and Berkey and KP and Ben or whoever, we could kind of gloss over a couple of pitches maybe if we're telling a story or just pause while a pitch is being thrown and let Berkey keep talking about launch angle or gushing over Wyatt Langford or something like that. But on radio, like you have to say every pitch, like, the two, two, it misses outside. Now it's two and three and two, you know, like you have to describe, I try to say the swing every time, like, you know, the wind and the two, two swing at a ground ball bounce to the right side. Like, whereas on TV, I might just say like ground ball, to curland, you know, mm. and there's one away. And that might be like the only description I give on a ground out to Cade Kerland. Um, so it's more description um, for sure. And a little bit, you know, less time to kind of really sink your teeth into telling stories and talking about dipping dots and caves or whatever else, you know? Yeah, it's it's less time to get stupid because you got to do the <laughs> intelligible stuff of painting the picture for the fans, which I, I think that's so interesting. And you do a really great job of it, of it just like even right then I was I was like seeing swings when you're like the swing in the ground ball. I was like, oh. Kate Curlin, okay. He feels it cleanly, <laughs> it seems like. <laughs> but, but no, I feel like, would you say radio is harder to do than television then? I would, um, in some ways, not every way. Like, I think it's the more pure play-by-play medium, right? And like, mm-hmm. it's the more like eye arts, like elitist type of play-by-play performance. Like, it's the play-by-play guys medium, whereas TV is more 
built for the analysts. Like they are the stars and you're just kind of directing traffic, you know, kind of weaving in and out of stuff. Um, but in other ways, like I think TV is harder. Like how do you tell a good story and how do you sync that up with what your producer and your director and your graphics person and your replay room with what they're thinking? And, you know, how do you make sure you're on the same page with your analysts? Um, so harder in terms of like the strict play-by-play, -play, but definitely challenges with both. That's so interesting. I'd never thought about it like that. So I love you giving the breakdown. I've been considered an analyst for like, I think four games now, and I've never <laughs> even thought about any of that. So I appreciate you expanding my horizon because I don't know what path I'm going, but I'd like to know as much about everything as possible because that seems fun but i so would you say you prefer doing the radio or the tv broadcast more um that, that's hard i mean like i love baseball on tv because i've done the most of that in recent years like i said um but like there's something super fun about doing the radio too like to go do raise rangers and like be hanging on every pitch that Nate Avaldi and Jordan Montgomery and Tyler Glass now throw like it's the playoffs every pitch is so important like that was incredible um but TV is awesome too and like I have so much fun regardless of the medium with the people that I work with so like to have the time and the space to hear Berkey explain hitting which I think he does as well as anyone at any level broadcasting baseball and to listen to the humor of him and KP together, who are like these brothers that love each other and are each hilarious in their own right. Like to sit next to them and be able to just like enjoy their humor and stories and personality. That's something you don't have as much room for on the radio. Um, so I, it's hard to pick, but I mean, I, I love doing games on TV. All right. All right. I see you. That's it. That's, I mean, there's great. It sounds like there's great about both and, I feel like that was kind of an unfair question for me to spring on you, but we'll, we'll get into, we'll get into the easier questions now. So you call college world series games, you call all sorts of different sporting events. What is your favorite? I, I won't ask favorite sport because it seems like baseball is already the answer, but what is your favorite sporting venue you've called a game at? That's a really good question. Um, I mean, Omaha was incredible, right? Like, mm -hmm. so I've done it now two years. And the first year there, like, I remember the first game, it was Texas, Notre Dame on a Friday night. And it was like, you know, every seat's completely filled. And it's like, is this place real? You know, I've been hearing about <laughs> it for so long. And before I was even super involved with college baseball, like people would say to me, you have to go to the College World Series. You have to just experience Omaha as a fan. And it totally lived up to it. Um, probably a little more like sentimental and close to home is for me, Fenway Park, growing up a Red Sox fan and someone who dressed up as Nomar for Halloween one year and, you know, remembers his first autographs from Jason Veritek and the third base coach, Wendell Kim, like to be able to broadcast games there. And the first major league game I ever did, I was, you know, young and dumb and got a chance to get called up from AAA at the end of the year in 2019 and do Major League Baseball Red Sox at Fenway Park. And so that was, you know, those two games I did the first time I ever did the majors and did the Red Sox. 
um, was was something that's so close to home and and so meaningful to me. So it, it's hard to pick something other than Fenway. Yeah, no, that I completely get that, and like it's so cool for not just me as someone who appreciates you to see, but for Red Sox fans all over to see like. This is a dude who's currently living his dream. It's so cool. Yeah. And like, you just, you, you deserve it and you capitalize on it every time, which is really fun to watch. But I, I just think it's so important for guys to actually really like what they do. But now with that, tons of sports, you, I saw you do like lacrosse, you do basketball, you do hockey, you do baseball, you do college baseball, you do it all. Where is the line drawn for Mike Monaco? What's something you won't announce? What, where? Ooh. what, what, what would I not announce? Um, so some sports that I've done in the past that I was probably objectively horrible at and <laughs> maybe unsurprisingly have not been asked back at any point to do. Those sports include gymnastics. Um, I've probably broadcast like 10 Western Michigan Broncos gymnastics meets in my life. Um, tried to be, you know, knowledgeable sounding about it, but probably wasn't. Fencing. I did a grand total of one fencing meet, I believe it's called, at Notre Dame when I was in college. And you want to talk about clueless. College student <laughs> Mike Monaco broadcasting fencing. That is clueless. Um, field hockey, I think. I think I've done a grand total of one um, Holy Cross, a college in Worcester, Massachusetts field okay. hockey uh, game match before. Um, trying to think of other sports. I did a little wrestling, maybe like two or three Michigan State wrestling meets back in the day. And uh, boy, it's I mean, like you try to figure out the rules and the terminology and all that. Right. But like it's there's only so much you can do before your first time <laughs> like I, the rest of it just needs to come with doing reps so uh yeah those are those are probably four sports that um I'm, people are not banging on my door for me to do i feel like you would give a phenomenal like all the walls down just going into the sport hey i know nothing about this but i'm going to talk while it happens and you'll probably laugh at some point. Like, I feel like you would be phenomenal <laughs> for that of the, of just like, Oh, this guy got stabbed. I think he lost. Um, yeah. yeah. It, <laughs> uh, it, no one's drawn blood yet. Don't really understand who's going to win. <laughs> yeah. But, well, and like I think of it with gymnastics, it's like, you know, it could have been like a 9.6, which like is probably pretty poor. Or it could have been a 10. And to me, it looks exactly the same. So like when the routine was over, I'd be like, and the dismount, but like no idea if it was good or bad. You know, you're just like, well, I could have been like the greatest thing we've ever seen and about to go viral on social media or like she might lose her scholarship. And I had no way of knowing. She seems to be happy with it. Let's see. Oh, horrible, horrible. Oh, wow. It's actually a 7.6 from the judge. <laughs> yeah, you said 9.6. And I was like, oh, that's one you get excited for, right? And you're like, which is pretty bad. Uh, I don't <laughs> so, think so. And like, I've gone into, in the few times I've gone into the booth, it's been about baseball, which I've known my whole life. And I'm still like shaking, nervous. I, I cannot imagine a college student just going, okay, these, all right. Um, I'm dizzy. Uh, it would appear that they are not, I don't know how, um, but they're still standing. <laughs> so I, I got to tip my cap to you on that. I, I think I would have refused. 
Yeah, not to mention, like, there's nerves. Like you just said, like, even for a sport you know, like, I still have nerves before big games, too, like, even with the sports that I do know. So then you think about, like, being outside of your comfort zone with things that you don't know and rules and terms that you don't know. And, uh, yeah, it only adds to it. Yeah, and then meanwhile, you still have to like go back to your dorm and take a chemistry test tomorrow or whatever test yeah. you have going on. So I talk about now living the life, you know what you're doing. It's impressive and I'm happy for you. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. You mentioned they're talking about going viral. And of course, I would, I feel like it would be a missed opportunity not to ask you some questions about the time you, uh, you kind of did that. And I kind of did that. And I don't really know what happened, but a, a lot of people started following me because of it, where we had an interview after college baseball game where the headset was slapped on me and you asked me some questions and then just let me kind of ramble for a little bit. So what was that like from a broadcast perspective of like, okay, this clip of this guy is going around, but every time it goes around, that's still me and my voice. Like I'm in it too. Like what's going on? <laughs> um, well, let me say a few things. Like one, I so rarely get associated with that interview other than like my friends who like know that it happened and family members who know that it happened or people in baseball. And like, that's how it should be, you know? And I've said this to you from like the first time I met you, like it's no credit to me and Gabby Sanchez, my dear, dear friend, who was also part of that interview and part of the broadcast for your guys, entire regional in Columbia. Like it's you, like it's now who you are and, and what you've always been capable of. And like, we just happened to, give you a microphone and you were your normal hilarious self right um but I do think it's really funny like the backstory of it and just like even from a kind of technical speaking production broadcasting perspective how these things come about so I guess to start like I had covered you guys during the course of that 2021 season and so like all along I knew you were funny Right. Like I had seen like I, I, in preparation for this podcast, I said, I got to pull up my notes from that year just to Gosh. just to see what I have written down about Steve Shock. Right. So let's see. Oh, what it. is the what is the first thing I have written down about Steve Shock? Um, OK, so this is Oak talking to us maybe the first time I covered you that year in 21. 
So this is like probably middle of the season. Yeah, this is early April. And he says, shock, been in college baseball for it seems like six years. Third school now, won the firearm award in the Cape one year. Wanted a change in scenery, yada, yada. Him and Abbott had kind of been a combo closing games. He was out for a couple of weeks, but he's back now. Interesting personality. Closer, sidearm guy, big long hair and beard, marches to different drum, fun-loving, great spirit kind of kid, sidearm sinker slider guy. So, right, like I've got like a sense of who you are. All right, so next time I cover you, later in the year, I'm talking to Mike Vassell. This is before your guys oh, uh, match up with Virginia Tech. And so I was probably asking him about some of his teammates. So I asked him about Teal. He told me a great story about like when he couldn't find his own batting helmet and batting gloves. Asked yeah. him about Nate Savino, who we had pitching in that series that we were going to do at in Blacksburg. I asked him about you. He goes, Steve Shock, best guy to come in to close the game. Super approachable guy in the hotel. When he comes off the mound, it's honestly terrifying. Throws like a 15-pitch flat ground before every game. He said, Michael, you have to catch. I didn't want to. He said, thank you. I'll pitch well today. He has all these things he has to do. So, you know, I'm getting like... Pretty good, pretty good intel here that Steve Shock is an interesting guy. All right, let's fast forward to the regionals. And I find out you guys are in the regional. It's you guys. It's Old Dominion. It's South Carolina and Jacksonville. Or yep. Yeah. Jacksonville. So anyway, like I've got to prepare, you know, in four days for four teams. And included in that, I tried to talk to two players on every team. Because as you can tell, and as this interview then proves, like you get amazing stuff when you talk to players. Like you get great info from the coaches too, but I talked to you and Kyle Teal were my two requests of players to talk to. So I don't even know if you remember this free regional Zoom we did, but this like this was my interview with you and like, you know, got all sorts of great stuff from you. Um like how when you were a freshman in high school, you were 160 pounds. You wrote, you told me something about a lunch-free buffet, big boy, gotta eat, left freshman year at 220 pounds. You said something about he's got the nuts. Um, so anyway, like, oh, oh, and then we talked about Kenny Powers at the end. So like, I, again, like at that point, not that I know you, we hadn't even met in person at this point, but like there's funny material there. So then when you close out the game, after it was South Carolina, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, regional elimination game. And after every game, we'd been doing a post-game interview. Now, where these interviews were going, I have no idea. Like, we were just under the instructions from some higher-ups to record interviews after the games with a player from the winning team. And so we're kind of going through the motions, like, just doing these interviews, and then they don't really go anywhere but that's cool like I, it still gives us i guess yeah, good information fair. to talk about yeah whatever so i'm like okay we gotta talk to shock because a he just saved this game in a really high leverage spot like high pressure crazy game they're facing elimination and i'm saying this like in game during a commercial break like in talk back to our producer and this interview will be gold like this guy is incredible like he will say something quotable then we do the interview and me and Gabby Sanchez are not in the same place. I'm at home in Chicago. Gabby's at home in Miami. You're playing in South Carolina. And, you know, like Gabby had covered you all year too. He knew you were crazy and hilarious. 
And Gabby is so fun loving. It's one of the things I love most about him. Like he's just chill. He doesn't take himself too seriously. So he was the perfect guy to be part of that interview as well. And we just fed off you and where it was going. Um, so like in the background of having covered you and talked to you previously, like I feel like we kind of knew the type of stuff we could ask you that would lead to funny responses. But then like who could have thought that you'd say as hilarious things as you did and you were probably like half blacked out during it anyway from the energy <laughs> of the moment. And then on top of that, so then the interview ends and again, these interviews have been going nowhere. Like they just happen and then they're over. And I'm like, I was on multiple phone calls after the game with higher ups being like, I don't know where that interview is, but you have to do everything in your power to have the biggest ESPN accounts share this on social media. It will go viral. And I, I had multiple phone calls between the end of that game and your guys game that night against old dominion saying this has to see the light of day. And then I forget exactly when it was, I think it might've been before the next game started that the ACC network Twitter account did post it. And all of a sudden, like, you know, people are like, this is the greatest interview I've ever seen. And it was, it was hilarious because you're the man and that's a really long answer, but that's my backstory for it all. No, that's a great answer. And I think that does a great job, not of just explaining like kind of how it happened, but I didn't even realize how much research broadcasters do. And like yeah. you had stuff dating back to April. We didn't meet for a whole nother year and a half until like the next June in Omaha or yeah. whenever it was. So, or no, we did, but we, God, I don't know. No, no, we, we wouldn't, we, yeah. we wouldn't have met. Yeah. For another year and a half until yeah, summer of 22 in Omaha. Yeah, when we were both kind of doing this thing and we were at a bar and it was yeah. a great time. And we but, literally felt this this gravitational pull from across the bar. It was like... Yeah, it we, was did, like, we I, didn't we know did what each other looked like. You completely wiped yeah. me from your brain. Um, you'd never seen me since. No, but I like that interview before too is so funny because i'm just like wow i was really a dipshit like <laughs> that no, not at all like it was funny you bring it up and like the notes you have like i know it's just like shorthand probably like writing down quick because sometimes when i when i get on that train of thought where i'm just going it can go kind of quick sometimes so like you writing it down i know exactly the words in between because i probably had the same bullet points of yeah, I was skinny my freshman year of high school, got pretty fat. Um, <laughs> so that's so funny. But like the work you put in to make it happen, I can't tell you how much one I appreciate it and the results of it. But you really like Babe Ruth this thing from a social media standpoint of just like, <laughs> this guy's going to do it. Like we believe in him. So I can't thank you enough for putting it out there because I mean, it was literally like we hadn't gotten back on the bus yet and it was out. And I, I remember yeah. like looking back, I was like, well, were there other interviews to like reference this against and compare it to? And I was like, no, there's not really many. So something weird happened. And then when we finally met, you were like, no, I had to like kind of push it out there a little bit. And I was like, dude, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> dude. So let me, let me just give you um, a few other selections of our pre-regionals conversation here. So I think I must have asked you like, hey, you're a sixth-year senior. Like, what are you thinking about at the end? Like, what would happen after baseball uh, whenever that ends? Like, hopefully a long pro career. And you said, probably get into sales. In the fall, I had time off from school. I did insurance sales in the fall. 
a long prosperous baseball career would mean I never have to sell insurance. I don't know, maybe selling yachts or airplanes. Great answer. So then the last thing I have written down before regionals is mentally, I prepare myself with insults. Guarantee, you know, one comes up something I haven't heard. People say you're old Kenny Powers. I'm clever. They're just drunk college kids. <laughs> so like the, the, you know, one of the questions I asked you then in the interview was like, people say Kenny Powers, you think what? And that led to a great answer, you know? So um, you're hilarious. Like it, it, it was bound to happen. And what I would also say is like, for if there's young announcers out there listening, like do take your preparation serious because like the way I always view it is like, I'm going to go talk about you and your teammates for three hours in a game. Or if I'm doing regionals, like, I don't know, 15 hours, you know, if you have to play five games that weekend, like if someone's going to go talk about my life for 15 hours, like I view that as like a responsibility to do justice to who you are and who your team is, you know, like I should be prepared and know stuff about you and be able to tell like who you are, where you came from, where you're going, what's important to you and have stories about it. Like it's a responsibility to do right by you guys and to do right by Devin Ortiz when he hits the home run, you know, like all that, that stuff is important. And so like to the young announcers out there, like, you know, prepare as hard as you can and try to prepare harder than anyone else to do right by the opportunity you have. Yeah. And I mean, I haven't come across someone who I feel is more prepared than you just from Literally, I remember in Omaha sitting down with you because they have in the in the press box, there's a lot of tables in the back where you can kind of converse uh, when you when you go out to like the booth where all the writers are can't really converse. They're not really my type of place. But I was like, so what goes into a broadcast? Like, what do you do? And you pulled out your computer and you had a word file that was like longer than any paper I ever wrote for college, longer than any paper I think I could. It was more words than I knew could be in a word file. And you were like, oh, I just have this. And I was like, okay. And you're like, yeah. So that way, like I have it in my memory of like, oh, Kyle Teal, this is where he's from. This is what he does. But then I can like go back and look at it. And like you named off everything about Kyle Teal. It was super impressive. I don't know how you do things like that. But I, I got to tip my cap to you. So let's say you're, you're going to broadcast a college baseball game on Friday. What does your preparation look like leading up to that? Um, let me just say real quick. So I have this document on the Virginia Cavaliers baseball team that now is 21-22. So it's been going on for three years. It is 67 pages long now in a Word document. <laughs> but but that's from probably doing, you know, maybe 15 Virginia games over that's time. That's so crazy. Um, so there's, there's a lot of things, a lot of conversations I've had with Oak in there. And I try to, you know, take notes as best I can. Um, when would I start preparing for a game? It depends on like what else I have going on that week, um, work or otherwise, but yeah, like I would probably start, you know, on a Monday and getting ready for Friday and, you know, read your guys bios and look through what the general starting lineup is and go one through nine and 
kind of look what you guys have done in your careers. Um, then maybe skim through the media guide and just get a sense of, you know, what the program's been like. You know, when were the great years? Have they fallen on hard times? Who were the head coaches? Are there any famous head coaches in the past? Like, who've been the first round picks? Who've been the big leaguers out of this program? Just to like kind of get a sense of, of what's what. Um, then go through all the articles that the team puts out and these sports information directors, SIDs, like Fitz at Virginia, these guys are invaluable for the info that that they provide. So go through and read all the articles since the end of last year. Like, you know, who went to the Cape over the summer? Who went to Team USA? Are there any preview articles about fall ball where, you know, the coaching staff is quoted talking about, you know, the the freshman who's going to play a role in the spring, that sort of stuff um watch the press conferences that get posted to a team's youtube page the great thing about youtube instead of sometimes these teams post their articles on their own like athletic department website on youtube you can watch them on two times speed so you can just kind of speed through these interviews and just pick out what's interesting because you know you don't need to know everything from from these interviews I can't listen to stuff that's not on two times speed when it comes to these press conferences now. So that's a little, a little hack for you, Steve. Um, but yeah, like all that type of stuff, reading articles, talking to the coach and players, try to be as prepared as, as possible and to be able to pick out, you know, what are the great stories we want to tell or, you know, which player do we want to shine a spotlight on and, and talk about something neat. Um, so yeah, probably like that week. Um, Omaha is a different animal, right? Cause like you're getting ready for eight teams. You've done a regional, you've done a super, but depending on how everything goes, like you might, you might only have covered, it's possible you've only covered one team, the super regional you just covered of the eight who were in Omaha. Fortunately this year, I'd seen more than that. Um, I had seen, you know, Virginia, I had, had uh, Stanford in the super, I had Florida in the regional, thankfully for my preparation and time management purposes, they made it to Omaha. So like, I didn't have to start fresh on someone they lost to in the super. Um, so it's, it's different depending on how much time you have, but yeah, like getting ready for Omaha is a beast. You know, you're, you're trying to learn eight teams. Yeah. I feel like it's like all of the worst exam weeks I've ever had in one week for you. But if you are a young person who's like, I would like to be a broadcaster one day, I feel like if you just go back and clip that answer and listen to it every day and just kind of follow <laughs> that format, that's literally, I Mike Monaco just told you 90% of the battle, I feel like, because then once I feel like for you, when you have that preparation, then you get into the booth and like, that's when comfort kind of sits in of like, okay, the work is over. The hard stuff's done. It's like baseball where, you know, for me, whenever I was on the mound, I was never really that nervous. Cause I was like, well, I prepared for this. And that's why I had those crazy rituals where I made Mike Vassell catch a 15 pitch black round that I knew he was going to hate, but because it's fun for me and it keeps me loose, but you have all that preparation going into it. So when you get in the booth, it's just like, okay, now I just recite what I already no now exactly like the work you know in some ways is done um now you still have to like react to the moments that happen like michael robertson making that catch up against the wall to end the game against tcu like that's something you can't script but you can prepare and know that 
hey, Michael Robertson, you know, had to sit out basically all of his freshman year, the year before because of an injury. And then this year, a lot was expected of him. And he's kind of struggled with the bat recently. So now he's coming off the bench. And, you know, like that's important backstory to know for the guy who makes this catch. But you still have to be able to just kind of react in the moment. Um, and to also know like what's in, what's relevant to say in that moment, you know, like if I, if it's the bottom of the ninth inning and I start talking about, you know, caves and Kenny powers, like that has to be done in a really specific way to like, not sound like, all right, what, why is this guy talking about this at this time? <laughs> you know? So like, you have to have a sense of like quality control, um, and like the right filter, so to speak. Um, yeah, but you no, need that to, feel. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have a little feel. Um, but no, there are people who do it way better than me who I'm still trying to learn from. And that's what I would say to any young announcer out there is like the people who you think do it the best, go watch and study them. And I say this to announcers all the time, like how cool an industry that we are in where you can flip on a game or go pull up a game on YouTube. It could be from this year, or it could be Vince Scully calling a world series. Like the people who have done this the best ever their work is out there. Like you can't really say that for like the best investment banker, like their work isn't public for you to just go like study how they do what they do. Um, so try to capitalize on that and like, you know, learn, learn from the best and ask questions and evaluate your own work and be a harsh critic. Like I go back and watch back at least a half inning right after every game I do before my next game to like, try to figure out like what stunk and what can get better. And like, Oh, you're saying this word too much. Or like you tried to make a joke and that really wasn't funny, you know, stuff like that. Oh, those ones are always the hardest. I, uh, I'm fortunate whenever, whenever I do any analyst work, I have my Apple watch on and my wife is listening and she's pretty <laughs> harsh on me, but I need it. So I'll, Clearly, anytime I do a game, there's like four texts that are just like, hey, stop saying the word like, um, maybe, maybe stop talking just in general, take a break. Um, <laughs> so that's so the brand. Yeah, I, uh, I can't, I can't go back and listen to myself. I just can't do it. I don't know why. Like, it's just, I'll listen for like half an inning and I'm like, okay, that's, I did my thing. I know I talked about some good points, but I got to be better about going back and listening and yeah. just, just being harsher on myself. I'm not good at being harsh on myself. I never liked <laughs> watching my outings ever. Like just never yeah. would. His coaches were like, Hey, you always focus on what's next. And I was like, okay, yeah. well, those outings are the past. So yeah. in wrapping it up, final question, your dream broadcast crew, if you could have any crew with you to call a college world series, anyone who's ever existed in the world, could be could be a roman emperor could be alexander the great whoever it is who would be your dream crew to broadcast a game with wow that is such a great question um so i mean we have a great let me get the the political answer out of the way we <laughs> yeah, have a great yeah. crew in omaha we'll take all that this is separate <laughs> from that um, everybody who's at kp's house for dinner <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Um, I think Pat McAfee is hilarious. Like, and this isn't like recency bias. Pat McAfee once upon a time when I was broadcasting for the single A Fort Wayne Tin Caps in 2016 came to our game because he was doing a stand-up comedy show in town. And he did an inning with 
my boss and great friend John Nolan on TV. And so like, I, since then, I've been like, this guy is so funny. Like he's one of those people that just makes you laugh no matter what. So I would take Pat McAfee. Um, trying to think of like who else are just like hilarious personalities. Um, I think Adam Devine is really funny. Oh, uh, the guy from Workaholics. That's a I think great he's answer. Hilarious. Um, so I might start with them. I'm trying to think of someone who would be like a good interview and like apply some pressure and and get the people going um maybe we'll give you that spot since since you have a background in viral interviews you can you can do the interviews so me you pat mcafee and adam divine i i would be honored and i'm (laughs) i'm not just taking because i'm the one who asked the question and i have a I have an arsenal of weapons behind me that are saying, hey, you got to say me, but I'm honored. Um, <laughs> truthfully, I think the other guys you mentioned are way funnier and way more qualified than I'll probably ever be. But I think Pat McAfee, he just does such a great job of getting people to care about things. Like yeah. he he's like influential in the sense like, hey, I care about this and that's why you can. And I love that on college game day, he does the kicker challenge. That is, it's, my- it's become the funniest thing on the entire show, I think. And no one can do it. Like, literally, yeah. no one can do it. I think there should be a college baseball one called Just Throw Strikes because everybody's <laughs> like, hey, just throw strikes. It's like, okay, you do it while everyone's yelling at you in their stakes. It's not that easy. I love it. But no, that's a great answer. I would tune into that broadcast. I would re listen <laughs> to that one um, for sure. But Mike, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to broadcast this broadcast with me um, and join me kind of a broadcast section there and give a play by play of this podcast while being interviewed and, you know, giving us giving us a peek behind the curtains of what makes a great college baseball broadcaster and so much more. You're great at other broadcasts, too, but. Of course, this is the Shock Factor College Baseball Podcast on the D1 Baseball Network, so we're going to focus on that part. But thank you so much again, Mike, for everything, for you know being here, but also you know allowing me to have a platform to do this. <laughs> Steve, you don't need to thank me for that. In all seriousness, that's all you. You're a star. I get to say I knew you when, uh, but really, it was only a matter of time. Uh, I'm really glad to call you a friend now. What you've done for the sport is awesome just in such a short period of time too. And I think players and coaches say that to you also, I'm sure. And you're probably too humble to admit it, but I know that pretty much for a fact. So thanks for what you do. Um, and yeah, man, this was a long time coming for us to, to sit down and chop it up. We've done it as friends, but we've never recorded it. So uh, thanks for the invite. We'll do it again sometime. Oh, absolutely. This has been a blast. I I can't wait for the next time our brains come together. We'll make sure it happens sometime in the near future. But thank you again. Well, there you have it, folks. Mike Monaco is as humble of a guy as there, there will ever be. And he's just so incredibly good at his job. I mean, a name like Mike Monaco being a great broadcaster makes sense. It's a cool name. Phenomenal alliteration. Shout out Mr. and Mrs. Monaco for for naming him that but he's just so phenomenal for the game that we all love and us college baseball fans are lucky to have a dude who has his level of talent and has his passion for the game 
That's all we have for this Monday's episode. I hope you liked it. If you did and you're like, hey, I like listening to Steve talk to guys named Mike, I got great news for you. Thursday, I'm another episode of the Shock Factors coming out with Mike Rooney, another phenomenal Mike that college baseball is lucky to have. So make sure to tune into that. And thank you, as always, to our sponsor, Sol- Soldier Sports, for making this all possible. And thank all of you for tuning in to the Shock Factor podcast on the D1 Baseball Network. I hope you have a great rest of your week, and I'll talk to you Thursday. The Shock Factor podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.